This week's episode is brought to you by Third Eye Comics, your friendly neighborhood comic shop with seven locations in the Maryland, D.C., and Virginia area. They're your one-stop shop for all things comics, graphic novels, toys, games, records, movies, and more. Not local, but still looking for an awesome place to meet all your comic needs? They've got an amazing website, shop.thirdeyecomics.com, where you can browse thousands of items, Pre-order your new comics and have it sent right to your doorstep for a flat $5 shipping rate. They were such a blessing during lockdown. Mm -hmm. Just as our Usagi Yojimbo passions were brewing, we were able to reach out to them, order all the books that they had on their shelves, all the saga collections from Dark Horse Comics, and get them to our door lickety split. And here's a little hot tip. They have out-of-print comics at cover price. I hate to tell you that because we want them all for ourselves. We do not have a Third Eye Comics near us, but we do make the long trek out to Annapolis on a routine basis because the shop is so grand and gorgeous. And it's an honor to have Third Eye Comics sponsoring Comic Book Couples Counseling because, yes, they are one of the best comic book shops in the country. Google any best comic book shop list and you will find them. And it's in no small part because they have the kindest, most helpful, coolest staff on the planet. They will fill your comics niche. But again, even if you're not within driving distance, it's worth checking out their website. Find a link in the show notes and start browsing and shopping today. Third Eye is here to help you read comics, play games, collect toys, spin records, and never grow up. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. And I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. In this episode, when it comes to advice, Todd McFarlane is like spawned to the throne of hell. He can take it or leave it. In our creator corner, Todd McFarlane is back on the pod to talk 30 years of McFarlane toys, 350 issues of Spawn, and what it takes to get to zero. Lisa, do you remember two years ago when we got the email from Nick at DC Comics and he was like, do you want to talk to Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo about Batman Spawn? And when I read that email, you were in the living room and I just went like, holy Lisa. (laughs) Yeah. Todd McFarlane on Comic Book Couples Counseling. Like that was such an insane moment. Mm -hmm. And here we are two years later And we're having our fourth and longest conversation with Todd McFarlane. It's truly extraordinary. And we we often reference Brad's 14-year-old self (laughs) losing it over how cool this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is when you realize, like, (laughs) that that 14-year-old self is still just you. Yeah, it is. That that, that 14-year-old is this guy. And I really appreciate how each conversation builds on the previous one. Mm. Uh, You can go to the links in the show notes and find all the Todd McFarlane episodes there. That first one with Greg Capullo really was just an exploration of what they were doing 
with Batman Spawn. It was practically a promo spot for that series. Our second conversation that we had at San Diego Comic-Con last year was much more loosey-goosey and kind of zeroed in on his philosophy as a creator. Well, because it was like inside the Image Comics booth and he was signing comics at the time. And I feel like he heard the title of our podcast, Comic Book Couples Counseling, and he just wanted to free associate on on what that means. And we just kind of had to like catch the wave of his stream of consciousness. And I still think you have not heard an interview with Todd McFarlane quite like that one. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of our episode 49. Oh, yeah, our uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me episode. Yeah, where I just went on this, like, tick about, like, my personal philosophy. And, like, I don't even know if I agree with that person anymore. It's just, like, the trench that I was in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I bet you if Todd McFarlane listened back to that conversation that we had at San Diego, he would most definitely still agree with that Todd, right? Yeah, but I also wouldn't hold it against him if he didn't. Sure, sure, sure. And then our third conversation with Todd McFarlane was a Patreon exclusive, and that was a really fun one for me, particularly because we broke down the best Spawn comics Mm -hmm. of the last 30 years. He picked like the 10 best Spawn comics, or at least the 10 Spawn comics that are most significant to the narrative that he is building toward with issue 350. And we also talked about the 1997 adaptation of Spawn and how he feels about that movie 27 years later. And now he's back again for a fourth time. And this is the longest conversation that we've had with Todd. Uh, We speak to him for about 50 minutes. And when we hit off on record, he actually hung around in the Zoom room for even more time, just talking about what we're up to. And then he showed us a bunch of preview art from Spawn 350. That comic looks so fire. Yeah. It was so nice to just have that moment to talk to Todd about where we're at right now. Because one, the idea that he is at all curious is like the most (laughs) flattering thing ever. Yeah. And two, he's a guy who understands just having a lot going on. He gave us some good advice. He told us to stop spending money on comics if we're reporting (laughs) on comics. We don't have to take it all though. We don't have to take (laughs) all of his advice. But I have been like actively mulling on it and going like, How can we apply these things? Yeah, well, I mean, we're in this for the long haul. So how do we make sure that comic book couples counseling is sustainable? Yes. So some of the things we're about to talk about are literally the direct result of having just talked to Todd McFarlane and going like, oh my goodness, we should be moving and or shaking right now. Yeah, we put in for a panel at this year's AwesomeCon which is Washington, D.C.'s premier comic book convention. We've been on panels before, but we've never had a comic book couples counseling panel. And one of the things Todd told us is, like, we have to put ourselves out there. We have to get in front of people. And we're like, yeah, we got to get comic book couples counseling in front of people at our favorite conventions. So why not start with AwesomeCon, our hometown con? And we had to be comfortable with the idea that we might be rejected. And we had to tell ourselves, like, the worst thing that happens is that nothing changes. Right. But guess what? Our panel got accepted. And we are so super stoked. It is Friday, March 8th at 8.30 p.m. It'll be a little date night. (laughs) 
with comic book couples counseling. You've had a long day. Maybe you took Friday off for the convention. Maybe you didn't. Yeah. But you can have an evening with us. But we really need you. If you're listening and you're in the DMV area, uh, please get that Friday night cleared and join us in room 206 at the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. Uh, you know, I imagine it's going to be an intimate affair. Uh, you know, we've had some evening panels in the past like the last panel we were on uh in washington dc was like a six o'clock panel mm -hmm. and it filled up yeah but at 8 30 well, the gullicksons are definitely on their way home generally by <laughs> oh, i mean we're probably already home <laughs> normally <laughs> and the exhibit hall floor is closed but i'm guessing if you attend awesome con on that friday night you're all tuckered out you just had your photo op with rosario dawson and you need some place to come down from your high well that place is room 206 with comic book couples counseling and we'll do everything in our power to make it worth your while yeah we're gonna have buttons we're gonna have stickers and we're gonna have good times and we're gonna have plans which we haven't made yet but we're gonna get some we're gonna get organized <laughs> yes. like what exactly is a comic book couples counseling panel we're not sure, but we're going to figure it out. And we have already pitched this panel to other conventions. So you might be seeing it in your hometown soon to cross your fingers. Or you can just tell your local convention, or maybe you help organize a convention. Just invite us. We'd love to come. Yeah, yeah. Say, hey, we want comic book couples counseling in our con. Also, we're making good on something that we have been teasing for months, if not years. <laughs> years, Lisa. We have finally kicked off our free newsletter entitled Our Psychic Rapport. Yeah, you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. It's part of our Patreon, but you do not need to be a patron to read it. If you just click on the link in the show notes and hit that join for free button, once you do that, the newsletter will appear in your email every time it's published. Once you've signed up, you literally never have to go to our Patreon page again. One of the reasons why it took so long to actually launch our Psychic Rapport is because we had been doing a lot of hand-wringing about where to platform it. Yeah. And Substack right now, it's got some issues. And if by issues you mean Nazis, yeah. then no thank you. So we're not going with Substack. We considered MailChimp for a bit, but we've already built this beautiful community in our Patreon feed. We love our lovebirds mm -hmm. and it just seems silly to publish the newsletter anywhere else also i'm trying to teach myself that when you want to start something why not start from the path of least resistance yeah. sometimes the thing that's holding us back is a hurdle that we've created for ourselves. like we have to have this new platform to start our newsletter Oh, why don't we just start on the platform we're literally standing on right now? Yeah, absolutely. That is that, that is, is a freaking life lesson. It is true. And, you know, if we decide at a later date to put the newsletter somewhere else on a different platform, that's okay. We'll just move it. So for our first newsletter, we wanted to focus on the comics of January. We're one month into the new year and already we've gotten some really fabulous comics some beautiful new number ones, Cobra Commander, Pine and Merrimack, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. But we've also gotten at least two incredible original graphic novels. And the bulk of our first newsletter is highlighting and celebrating what we think is the best comic of 2024 Thus so far. far. 
Ooh, you said so far. I said thus far because I'm fancy. We won't spoil it here. You have to click on the link in the show notes to figure out what our favorite comic of the year is so far. But I'm excited for this book to get some new readers. Yes. We also talk about how we're creating a little bit more accountability for ourselves when it comes to tracking what we're reading and how much we love it because it gets to the stampies and we're all panicked because we're like what did we read in january yeah i mean october last year we were struggling to come up with our best of lists we had to like dig into and tear apart this apartment to find our favorite comics from 2023 and this year what we're doing is making a list creating a secret google doc We're doing it now. We're building toward the Stampies in January. Yes, I am notoriously bad at keeping records, but Brad is going to watch me, and now you guys are going to watch me. you got to go like, Lisa, what are you reading, and how much do you love it? Is it so much? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will be surprised if the book we write about in the newsletter is not featured in some way in our stampies at the end of this year. If it's not, it just means that 2024 was an all-timer. Wow. I kind of like, I kind of don't want 50 other books to trumpet, but I also (laughs) kind of do want to read 50 better books than that. That would be a freaking miracle. Yeah. We're greedy. So thank you, Todd, for kicking us in the duff and getting Kicking us, us in our duff. That's not yeah. the saying. It's yeah. getting off your duff. I know, but the duff is like your butt. No, no, a duff isn't your butt. Yeah, a duff's your butt. No, let, well, hold on. Let me, let me Google it. This is dumb. Okay, I have it. Okay, so when duff is a noun, it's decaying vegetable matter covering the ground under trees. So getting yeah. off your duff is like getting <laughs> off the ground. No, but isn't there like a, like an urban dictionary no. definition? No. Doesn't duff mean but It just means decaying vegetable matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a tuffet. So uh, get off your duff is... Means to get off of the ground. <laughs> well, whatever. Thank you, Todd, for kicking us in our butt and motivating us to... Google duff. Branch out into other avenues regarding comic book couples counseling. Do you know what I think a duff would be really good for? What, Lisa? Fertilizing a beautiful tree, the tree that is our journey of growing comic book couples counseling. I agree. Your lack of patience for me is Am adorable. Am I going to edit all of that out? Uh, we shall see. <laughs> yes, you are. The reason Todd is in session with us today is because, yes, Spawn is about to hit issue 350 next month. It arrives on shelves on February 21st. Who will sit on Hell's Throne? It's been empty since issue 100. We touch briefly on the narrative that Todd and his collaborators are building toward with issue 350, but mostly this conversation is about the lessons we can all learn from Todd's four decades within the comic book trenches. And he doesn't give up those lessons easy. No, no, no. I don't want to spoil too much, uh, but we put him on the spot at the beginning of this conversation and he resists a little bit, but then he just leans into comic book couples counseling just like he did in San Diego. And then we go off. For me, this is like the most satisfying type of conversation because I feel like we learn a lot about Todd and, and a lot about how he likes to make his decisions. But I think by getting into how he thinks, I start thinking about the way I think, and I feel like I learn a lot about myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, to me, this is 
the closest we're going to get to a Todd McFarlane self-improvement book. Right? Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, it's uh, fodder for comic book couples counseling listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, when we said that Todd was coming back for his fourth conversation with us, we had several people reach out to us and say like, oh, are you finally going to talk to him about Neil Gaiman and Angela since you've covered both of those uh, characters so extensively on the show in the past? And no, we did not bring up either of those two. But I think that we get some insights that's that indicate like what he might say to it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how Todd McFarlane handles lawsuits. And, and handles bridges. Yeah, and, and based on those responses, I think you would know how he would answer a Neil Gaiman, Angela question. Now, if you think that's a cop-out, you're probably right. We're, we're like not gotcha journalists or anything. No, 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 you're right. But like, I also do feel like the conversation that you hear here is quite unique mm-hmm. and informative. And I'm very excited for everyone to listen to it. Before they do that though, Lisa, we have to do some referrals. Sponsored by Omnibus. Omnibus is a modern digital comic book store and reader app carrying your favorite single issues, volume and omnibuses all day and date. Just like your local comic book store, you pay per book, but digital. Their focus is on building an excellent customer shopping and reading experience and using novel discovery features to help fans find their next new favorite book. They feature top-tier content and already have many of the top publishers in comics today. So in the spirit of helping people find their next new favorite book, we have our referrals segment. The idea is to give you, our counselees, further reading on the themes of the episode. Think of it as us sending you to specialists to further your healing journey through comic books. So my referral is like part referral, part dedication. I would like to dedicate this interview to one of the biggest, if not the biggest, let's just give it to him. I think the he biggest is. Spawn fan of all time. It is Matt Bors. Yeah, yeah. Writer of Justice Warriors. Hopefully you've already listened to our interview with Matt Bors and Ben Clarkson about Justice Warriors, but it is this super dark, super <laughs> funny. It's vicious. It's yeah. a brutal comic. It is uncomfortable but hilarious and truthful. And the two main characters are cops. And they do remind me of Spawn in the fact that, like, they don't necessarily want to do the job, especially not anymore, but it just kind of has to be done. And they just kind of have to do it. And they are making the most of it. Yeah, yeah. They're doing something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is a tough book to read at times because it is so vicious in its satire. Well, we are living... Yeah, we're living in a dystopian presence. Right, exactly. And um, the satire... It is so close to home. But it is also very satisfying. Yeah, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Ben Clarkson's art is next level good. Yes. Do the free preview on the Omnibus app of the trade paperback and you'll see what we're talking about. I just love virtuosity. Yes. When it is dedicated to something so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I never knew... A piece of shit could look this good. <laughs> uh, because the character is like a, a, a emoji. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this book is not a piece of shit. I just want to make sure that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, man, I'm not even listening to myself. <laughs> uh, great pick, Lisa. I am going to be a little bit more basic with my referral because we got to celebrate Spawn yes. this uh, week. Uh, all of Spawn is available on Omnibus. And the first collection, collecting the first six issues of the Todd McFarlane classic, is available for $7.99. That's practically free. In the last couple of months since our last Todd McFarlane conversation, talking about the best Spawn comics of all time, I've gone back and re read these early issues of spawn and i still freaking love them one i adore todd mcfarlane's cartooning yeah his expressions his body movement uh his sequentialing i like i think it's just chef's kiss good and holds up absolutely but it's also fascinating to read these early spawn issues and to contemplate where the series is now as we approach issue 350 the narrative of spawn has expanded so much since these early issues and it's almost unrecognizable today from where it came which is what you would want right mm -hmm. you want your series to extend hundreds of issues and to become something else you know the change the evolution of spawn is incredibly compelling and I, I love doing a little time travel looking yeah. at these issues. But like all of Spawn is up on Omnibus and you don't need the Omnibus app or an iPad. If you have a browser, you have a Omnibus shop in hand. Just click the link in the show notes and get to shop and Spawn and also, Justice Warriors. And also um, Walking Dead because that comes up. In yeah, this interview yeah, as yeah. well. Also, if you're feeling like you want to spend a little bit more money, the first Spawn Compendium is available for $60. And I have to say, I really prefer reading those compendiums digitally. It's so they much lighter. look nice on a shelf, but they are cumbersome. But if you get it on a browser, it just looks golden. And you don't crack that spine, either yeah. the spine of, of the book or the spine of your back when you're trying to haul around this gigantic tome. Referrals. So as we've stated many times in this episode already, Spawn 350 is hitting shelves on February 21st. Make sure it's in your pull box because this is a record breaker. And with that, let's get to Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Todd, welcome back to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. What are you doing? It's 2024. It's going to be a great year for everybody. It's going to be a huge year for you in particular. Uh, Spawn is going to have a massive expansion in 2024. It's the 30th anniversary of McFarland Toys. It's yep. got to feel pretty good getting into uh, this year. Yeah, the pressure, though. What are we going to do in 2025? <laughs> Always got to be ahead. thinking about it. Laurels. You uh, you just keep grinding uh, year after year, and then sometimes uh, pieces fall in place, right? So you're right. You know, we've got in February both uh, Spawn 350 and the official anniversary of the uh, toy company because it was uh, in February of uh, 1994 and I went to the first toy fair. And then, you know, the, the Batman 85 anniversary and we do all the Batman toys. So we'll get the hookup uh, onto that. 
and then you know fingers crossed we drop some big big news on the movie later in the year too so uh, and we're expanding as you mentioned we're expanding the comic book right yeah yeah we, you know adding titles and stuff so yeah we'll, we'll be busy we'll be busy this year now, if I were to read the great Todd McFarlane biography, what, what lessons would you like that reader to take away? Really, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm not a big fan of people talking about their lives in kind of absolutes, right? Um, I'm, I'm very careful about saying, here's what I did. Here's why I did it. Here's the rationale. Here's the reasoning. Here's whatever. But I'm not saying any of that is good or bad or better or worse. I'm just saying, I'm Todd. This is my journey. And this is why I did it. I don't know if that has any bearing on anybody else's life or any of that's interesting or any of that's either intimidating or inspiring. That that I'm not really sort of here to tell you because I don't know everybody's backstory in life, right? Sure. I just know that this path and journey worked for me. So I can speak very fluently about my life. Don't know if it works for anybody else's. Uh, and again, I'm not even saying that, as I, as I mentioned, I'm not even saying that that path, even with the success is, is, is better than another path. Right. Because I mean, I look at, I've, I've given speeches in front of uh, MBA classes, right. These are supposed to be some of the top bright financial people. And the first thing I usually say to them, which is completely disappointing to them, is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk to you and tell you how to make money, right? So now I'll get most like most of them get bummed, right? <laughs> Why are we here? Why are we here? If the rich guy is gonna tell us how to get rich, um, but the reason I don't is that I just go every decision I made, every fork in the road I I had to you know go left or right was based upon my personal experience, my environment, my life, and my my personal IQ. Um, you people in this class may be way better fit than I, so why would I tell you how to make a million? You guys might be smart enough to make a billion, right? So why would I want to hamper you? I'm, I, so let's just talk about something else. And usually the rest of the conversation is about how you keep your integrity along the path. That's... Mm. That you 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 take your integrity to your grave. You don't take anything else, right? So uh, I don't know. I I I'd like to keep that intact. But anyway. so for me, like one of the stories I think about when I think about Todd McFarlane is that Toy Fair from 1994, 30 years ago, where you go into it and you don't necessarily have any. Yeah, you have like like cutouts of what the figures could possibly look at look like, but you yeah. don't have any product there. No. And then in comes the I came Toys across pictures. Guy. I came across pictures of that. Of, of that. Oh, oh did you? I'd love to yeah. see those. I'd yeah, love to I see. Yeah, I did. I I was cleaning out something. And it was like, what is what's buried in here? There's a bunch of you know scattered and images, and but there was like three or four of me in that little tiny booth with those cutouts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so there was like a lot of luck involved in that event. Yeah. You know, the Toys R Us guy comes in and his assistant happens to know who you are and what Spawn is, and he's excited about it. So it piques the curiosity of the head Toys R Us guy who was there. Yeah. And then you have the confidence in yourself and in your product to make that deal happen. And you can deliver 
on that deal, even though you might not necessarily know the ins and outs of how you're going to do it. You're just confident that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, at, look at, I, I've never entered into anything that I didn't think I was going to succeed at. You have to. Yeah. I mean, again, if you got to enter entrepreneurial spirit or, or a competitive spirit, I play a lot of sports. Why would you go into any baseball game, any football game and think you're going to lose that day? Right. I mean, you you do. There's plenty of instances where you get your your butt handed to you, but there's no moment that you give up until the last second ticks off, and then you go, I guess that other team was better than me, but but not until then, right? So so going into business, you have to have a little a little, and 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 here's the problem: there's a balancing act. You have to have a little bit of delusion of how good you are, but you also have to be realistic enough to have a game plan that is actually a business plan that is actually doable, right? Like, I mean, you, I, you've read before that 85% of small businesses fail, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, and I've seen it with my eyes and, and I've got lots of friends that have tried it. And part of it is that they create a business plan based against no reality. So, so, I, I know it looks good on a spreadsheet. If I open up a cupcake store and I sell a thousand cupcakes in a month, then then it'll pay for all my overhead and my employees and everything and we'll make a profit. That's cool, right? There's just one question you haven't asked. Does anybody in the city sell a thousand cupcakes in a month? Mm -hmm. I don't know. If it was me and I was your dad, I'd tell you to go and find the most popular cupcake shop, sit there for about two weeks, and every day, click how many they sold. Because if the top cupcake store in the city is only selling 500, and your whole model is selling 1,000, it's it's set up for failure. You're, you're, you have to accomplish something that nobody else is accomplishing at twice the rate. So putting numbers on a piece of paper, that's easy, right? Backing it up with some sound reality of what's actually happening in your world, uh, that's it. So I don't know. I just thought we could give them comic, you know, some good comic books over the years. But in this case, the toy, the harder piece, I got to tell you, there's two hard pieces. And I don't think people understand, especially in the toy business, is the the first cliff or steep hill is getting it on the shelf. Hmm. I mean, people go, oh, man, you're in Walmart and you're in Target. Oh, man, that's a steep hill, right? Just to even get there. This, deeper hill is once it's on the shelf, getting human beings to take it off the shelf and give money. Because if I get it on the shelf and it doesn't sell, they don't put you back on the shelf. The only way they put you back on the shelf is that once it goes on the shelf, that you have consumers or fans that will come, collectors that will come and take it off. And then they go, oh my gosh, people must like what he likes. Hey, Todd, you want to give us more? Um, so it's, it's twofold. <laughs> so I know most people think, man, if I could only sell my jar of pickles to Walmart. Yeah. But then somebody's got to buy those pickles. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's the magic. That's the two point magic. Yeah. So where did you learn that lesson of, you know, you have to back up your confidence with the reality. How did you learn those lessons that got you to that moment at the toy fair in 1994? Um, I didn't know it. I, I didn't know it at the time, but again, I, I, I played sports at a pretty high level in college, got my, mm -hmm. my education paid for. 
all you can ever ask out of your coach is to put you on the field. That's all you can do. Come on, coach. Give me a chance. Come on, coach. Come on, coach. Come on, coach. Come on. And then finally the coach goes, fine, get out there. At that point, it is all on me. Because I've been asking him for the opportunity. And now I have to deliver. Because if I don't, then he why would he put me back on the field? And so business, to some extent, is kind of that. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but it, but it is. That it was like, oh, man, if I could only get on in this store, if I could only get in the store. That was like asking to get put on the field. And then, the, then they're looking for results, right? They're the coaches going, then sell your product and make me money, Todd. And if you do that, we'll let you keep playing the game of retail, uh, uh, you know, man, selling products and stuff. So that was it. Uh, here's what I do know, um, especially on the toy side. You go in, you make your pitch, you hope they say yes or no, and they only say yes or no. And if they say yes, then they pick a number and they go, okay, give me... 25,000 or whatever. They give you a number. And then when they phone you back, there's only two phone calls. One is, oh my God, Todd, it's sold. Oh my gosh, can I get more? Hmm. And the other one is, oh my gosh, Todd, it didn't sell. What are you going to do? I have never received a phone call that went, oh, Todd, man, I, I bought the exact amount that I needed. <laughs> it's perfect, man. Right? It's, they're they're either chasing you for more, or they're like going, "What? Is, this is this isn't good. What else you got for me next time?" Right? Uh, we want markdown. We're not markdown money. Uh, so uh, that's it. Wherever they go, Toys R Us line two, I go, "Uh oh, coin flip. <laughs> this is a coin flip. This could be a good call or a bad call." And then here's the other thing that's pretty funny about uh, the, on, the, on the toy side is for the most part, we sell a steady amount of toys, right? Um, not at Christmas time, it goes up, everybody goes up. But during the year, we're pretty steady. So if you were to graph our sale, it goes, it's kind of like this, right? So we're not, we're, we don't really change our, our, what we're doing. The problem or, or, Good thing about that is that the big companies have these wide swings, right? They load up at summer, they drop down, they load up for Valentine's Day, they drop down, they load up for Christmas, they drop down. So what's happening is that although my graph's going like this, the big boys' graph's going like this. Wow, 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 wow. And what happens is, that when it's up here, the big boys are up here and I'm here, they're like, Todd, what are you doing? How come you're not selling more? What are you gonna do for me? But when when, when it shifts down, then they're like, oh my God, Todd, you guys are doing great. You're killing it. You are my number one seller this month, this week, or what? I mean, I've had plenty of those phone calls, right? Oh my God, you you outsold Star Wars this, this week and Marvel this week and whatever else. And it's And I'm selling the exact same and some days, I'm like their best friend. And the next month I'm like a schmuck, right? Mm. Uh, so it's kind of interesting uh, how you sort of deal with everybody's uh, mood swings. We'll call them business mm. mood swings. <laughs> right, right. So are you at a place where those mood swings, those phone calls kind of leave you 
unflappable? Like, do, do you still find yourself getting caught up in like, that guy thinks I'm a, a schmuck this time around? Like, do you get caught up in that anymore? Uh, no, because I know the game. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I, yeah, so, yeah. so I know that, I know that if they're phoning and giving praise and wanting more, I know that that's arguably temporary because right. who knows about next month. And I know that if they're bellyaching about something, I know that that's equally temporary, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you just take it all in stride and depending on, you know, it, 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 I think we're in a pretty good spot with our company too, because we're not a big enough company to really matter to the retailers. And that's a weird thing to say, mm -hmm. but and they've said it to me, especially the Walmart guys, plenty of times. That there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing you're going to do, Todd, that will either get me promoted or fired, right? If you, if if it's a whatever I buy, if it never sells and it's a dismal failure, we didn't buy enough of your stuff to make an impact. And if it works, we didn't buy enough of your stuff to make an impact. When they when they buy the big boys' lines, they buy it in a tonnage program. It is a, they've got a lot invested. So if it works, they look like a hero because they're making their company a lot. But if it doesn't work, they invested a lot of money into something that didn't fly. And so we just navigate in between. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're and and they sort of like it because we're sort of uh, they call it breath of fresh air, right? We're not a public company, and and interestingly, that matters to to them at times because when you have public company toy company trying to sell to public company, retail company, and they and they have different dates of when they got to do their quarterly reports every 90 days. Sometimes these guys are shoving product at these guys to say, hey, we got to, we, we need a big buy here because we're a week away from our, from our report. So if you want the latest Barbie, you got to buy all these Hot Wheels or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but they play these games and it, it aggravates. I've been. It aggravates both sides, right? And so uh, I don't. I don't ever have to sort of do any of that. Sort of. Hey, I've got. I've got the stress of having to do a public report, and again, every ninety days, which is why sometimes it limits to them thinking long term that I can do, um, and take risks because I, I don't. I don't have to show the results every ninety days. Uh, and I can just float in the middle and they like it. They sort of go, ah, Todd, we like it. You know, we just, we just had a couple of big meetings with some of the fortune 500 companies and then there's you and it's kind of relaxing, right? Cause you're not trying to shove anything down my throat. And then, and then I got to leave here and go to another meeting where somebody's going to try to shove something down my throat. So, um, we serve a purpose. We serve a purpose for them. And oh, by the way, I think we do decent toys at a decent price and the, and the fans like it. So it, it, it all works out for everybody. Yeah, just when I think I've stopped buying McFarland toys, I'm like, oh, I got to get that one. Oh, and I got to get that one. Oh, no, that one's too good. I, I can't pass that up. You yeah. often speak about your creativity as like planting seeds. Like, oh, I'm going to plant a seed for this idea. And um, like, and I'm going to wait to see if that idea really takes. And, and you've talked about it in um, the case of like Spawn. Like, oh, I'm, I'm planting the seeds for spawn 300 and spawn 100 and that kind of thing. Like, does that often, does that also reflect in your business where you're like, okay, I'm planting this business seed and either the seed is going to take or it's not going to take. There's like a certain amount of like chaos and just like natural, like whatever yeah. 
the integrity of the plant or whatever. Yeah. So, so, I mean, again, I, I metaphorically use that word planting the seeds. It can just mm -hmm. be ideas, you know, or, or, or concepts, whatever word you want to use in its place. Um, you're lucky if you have like 85% success rate, right? And again, if you talk to a farmer, he can make sure that 85% of his crops do what he's supposed to, he's going to have a decent year, right? So you don't have to be perfect, right? You don't have to be perfect all the time. You just got to get it right way more times than you get it wrong um, and not put yourself in a position where you put all your eggs in one basket, good or bad, good or bad. I mean, look, at I, the, the worst thing that can happen in business is dismal failure, right? That's easy. The, the, the next harshest thing is unmitigated success and you're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. because there have been look at so in the toy industry i'll give you a big example i'm going to age myself a little bit years and years ago there's a thing called cabbage patch doll and cabbage patch dolls came and they became the single biggest thing on the marketplace and so you had a company that was making about 24 million dollars a year and all of a sudden bam it blew up to like 350 million dollars in, in a year and then a company comes in coleco and buys them and then they just think that basically it's just going to keep growing. So they, the next year it did, it grew up to about 600 million and then they keep thinking it's going to grow. So they think it's going to go to a billion. So then they're counting their chickens before they actually got the sales. And then they started investing money into ColecoVision and all this other stuff. And so they took money that they didn't have yet, moved it over here or whatever. And then instead of going from 600 million to a billion, it went from 600 million to 275. Now, again, a couple years prior, from 30 million to 275, it's a hell of a growth period, but not in the public sector. This is why I don't like the public sector. It can never go down. It always has to keep going up. And if you go from here to here, then it's a failure given that you started way down here. It's really mind numbing to me. And so they invested all this money into other stuff and it didn't work. So it collapsed the Cabbage Patch lineup because it didn't have money to do it because they had taken all the Cabbage Patch profits and moved it over to their tech, you know, sort of the video game division. And that didn't work. It didn't have enough money from the And Coleco went down. They had the single biggest toy for two years and within two and a half years, they were out, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. why, why? Because we had the most popular item and we didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, whenever things are going good at my end, I caution my people to just say, it's probably a bit of a false positive. Um, enjoy it, but don't make it the norm. Right. In baseball terms, we just hit a home run. You don't hit a home run all the time. Ask any major leaguer. They don't either. They go up to the plate 600 times. And if they're lucky, they hit 30 out of the park. They don't do it the other 570 times. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't consider the home run as being the norm. Be a little more reasonable and just hit a bunch of singles and doubles. And you'll be around for a long, 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 long time uh, in business. And then and then lightning strikes every now and then, and you look good, and people pay attention to you, and you get more opportunities. So that what the what the home runs do is create opportunities 
because other companies notice you hit a home run and then all of a sudden they'll give you a chance to do their brand or their their toy or whatever you know we'll make a video game out of your idea todd or something like it just opens doors right so all i'm waiting for is to go put something put the idea out lay back nurture it be fair-minded in terms of how you treat the consumer because if you treat the consumer good they'll be loyal and if they're loyal then you're going to have longevity longevity is to me one of the great values of what of business right I've seen a million stories of people that made a ton of money and then they crashed and a ton of money. I would rather just be waving in here. It's better on the heart. It's less stress on my employees. Don't worry about it. Let somebody else make their $10 million. And then all of a sudden that company is worth a fraction of that two years later. And half those people aren't even employed by that company, right? Like I'll let them play that game. We don't play that game. Let's just be the, proverbial tortoise to their hair mm. and and you were never or you, you've never been tempted by going public or you know like it, it's this has always been the strategy from the beginning yeah no, okay the the wall street used to come yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they used to come um but they're they're a bit of a one, at least in my experience with, with, with my dealing with them, they're a bit of a one-trick pony, right? And their one trick is money. Uh, so so they would come and they go, hey, we're gonna give you some money, and then we're gonna, and then we get your company. And so I'm like, hold sec. So so you're gonna give me money, and then and then I don't have any control over my company. Yeah. But we're gonna give you a lot of money. I'm like, no, I, 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 I don't know if I can do it. Okay, we'll give you more money. Yeah, no, I know. But if you give me more money, I still got to give you at least fifty-one percent of the company, and then I don't have final say and I don't have any control over it, right? And okay, last, last chance, Todd. We'll give you then even more money. That's it. That's all they have is money. Now, here's the piece that horrifies them, which is why they stopped coming. I want, uh, well, let me just tell you a little bit my definition of money, right? Um, I've got it. I already have money, right? And so my dad used to teach me the definition of useless. And here's what's useless. When you have something, you don't use it, mm -hmm. right? I've got lots of money in the bank right now. Theoretically, that means I'm not using it, which basically means it's useless, right? Because I'm not spending it. Mm -hmm. You want to give me more useless stuff, big pile useless stuff, and I got to give you control of my company. I already got useless stuff. You just want to offer me more useless stuff. Now, you talk to somebody whose whole life is bent around money and you call their product useless. <laughs> like you could just see the horror. Did he just say, did, did this human being just say that money is useless? Like, Oh, what are, who are we talking to? Um, again, I'm not a saint. I, I do have a price. And the price I told them, look, I do have a price. The price is big enough that like you give me so much that after you buy it, I can wait a month, buy it back. Fire you two fuckers. Still have a profit. <laughs> and I have my company and I have all control. That would be ideal. But nobody's given me that deal so far. So okay. I would I would rather just be able to succeed and fail 
on my own merit because I can sleep very well when I know that the failure was on my shoulders. Then giving it to somebody else and hoping and then somebody makes a dumbass decision and I've seen plenty of those. Um, and and I, I, I have to go for the ride with it. I have to go for the ride with it. So all I can do is control my end. And I just decided a long time ago, I, 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 I can't, you know, and again, maybe someday I might wake up and, and say, mm, you know what, I, I, it's time for me to move on. But at that moment, the only reason for selling is to extract a big number out of some big corporation and then use most of that money in a philanthropic way to help others. Basically, a little, a little quasi-Robin Hood. Take mm -hmm. from the rich and give to the poor. So so if I try to do it and get and sell someday, I'm going to try and get the biggest number. So that means because the more money they give me, the more people I'll be able to help. Right? I don't need it. My wife and I don't need it. We're good. Right? But there's other people and other sort of institutions and groups and communities that could use some some help. And then sometimes that help is a financial way. So. Your wife, she's an activist and she's doing a lot of good. Does she inspire you with her activism? Is, does that feed your your desire to just maintain your integrity or? Uh, um, yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a big spirit and she has a giant heart. Uh, she's passed it to our children. Uh, all three of our children do the same thing. They give a lot, even within their jobs, uh, uh, back to the community. So, yeah, but I, again, I, I, she may say I rubbed off on her a little bit too, that mm -hmm. I, 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 was, I was a spitfire from the moment I came out of my mom's womb. And, and I just was like, come on, let's take on the world. We can do it. 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 So I think we make a, a, a good pair. Um, and my dad is a good man, a great man. And, and I never want it to be anything other than sort of held in the same esteem as my dad is with his friends and whatever. I just good, good people. Right. I've said to my own kids, look, at, I'd rather you be, you know, a, a garbage collector and, and and coach and give your time and volunteer and 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 be a good person and to your friends your family your neighborhood than being the vp at a bank and being an asshole mm -hmm. like i i think we have the wrong criteria of what we consider success especially here in north america of what's successful you get your banker make a half a million dollars you're the vp You've been divorced three times and all, all your kids are estranged from you. And we call that a success. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mon the money parts, the money part comes and goes, right? Like the the integrity part uh is the piece. Like look at when I, remember I said I talked to the to the uh, business people? Mm -hmm. I talked to them. Usually at the at the end of it, because I know, you know, most of them are just little baby sharks, right? They hang out with the big sharks and become baby sharks. So I'm usually only talking to maybe four or five people in the room. But I usually sometimes end it with this thing and go, hey, let me just, let me just, before I go, I just, let's just try one more thing and then, and then we'll call it a day. 
So you wake up, you're not feeling too good. And you decide, hmm, you know, it's been a couple of days now. You're going to go into the doctor. You go into the doctor. The doctor takes you in, runs a bunch of tests on you and says, hey, go wait in the lobby and we'll run the test. And we'll get back to you. And you go, you go out into the lobby, look at your cell phone, whatever else. And a half an hour later, a doctor comes out. He's pretty serious. And he says, hey, can you come step back in my office? And you come into the office and then he delivers the bad news. And he just said, hey, we ran all the tests and you have inoperable cancer. There's nothing modern medicine can do to save you. You are dead and you will be dead in three weeks. It is so far gone. There's nothing we can do. Make your peace. All right, you've got three weeks. Now I'm going to assume that when I'm talking to this group, I go, I'm going to assume every one of you at least has one person that you care about. Right? So that person that you care about most might be your girlfriend, might be your boyfriend, your, your mom, your dad, your wife. I don't care. There's somebody that's just like, oh my God, they are going to be without you in three weeks. They're going to be without you in three weeks. And it's going to break their heart. Now, here's my question to you. If you could only pick one person to help the person you care about the most transition in this tough moment when you're going to be gone to just be there, to just help them through that tough time, who would that person be? And I'll give you 20 seconds to pick that person. And then I usually stand there in silence for 20 seconds. And then I go, last question. The person you just picked to help were they the richest person you know, or were they the best person you know? I don't know. If it was me, I'd strive for the second one. You didn't, even you, business people, even you, money grubbers. I'm going to assume that that answer you just gave yourself, you still picked the best human being. Why do you want to be that person? Mm. And make money, right? Why does it have to be money first, Right. Because the other philosophies I tell them early, I go, look, if you're going to be an asshole, and plenty of people are asshole, then I am promise you, I, I've learned one thing. If you're going to be an asshole, you had better make money for somebody every single day of your life because nobody willingly hangs out with an asshole. Mm. So if you're not making money, nobody wants you. I don't know. Every now and then I've run into, to me, sort of these saints and vipers nests, which are good people at their core in these institutions that just grind you to become soulless and and they're they're able to do both they're able to have like be good people and do their job properly right so it's like oh my god so they do exist right they're they're kind of unicorns but when you find them you grip out you grip onto them because you're like oh man good people and good at their job oh good combo so uh i don't know why why not why 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 not why not try and be decent? I don't know. Nothing wrong with it. No downside to it. So, Todd, you may not want to put uh, your life lessons into a bullet point list in your biography, but I feel like we've found we've a few. Some. We've gleaned some even in this conversation. So thank you for sharing them with us. Well, I, like I said, it worked for me. Some of the things that I've had to do to get through what I've done, I wouldn't wish upon my own children mm -hmm. right? sure. so uh because i'm i can be a cold fish right uh, and it's a piece that i'm not i'm not overly proud of but it 
it works for me in a, in a sense because I, and my wife thinks this is sad what I'm about to say, that I, I, I think I'm at war every day. Mm. And so I, I, I have to be mentally ready for the worst of the war today, right? Um, and so I don't sweat about the little stuff because I can't, because there's a, there's a war coming, something big. And I can't feel guilty about people I don't have any respect for. Right. Mm -hmm. So the theory that you don't burn and don't 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 burn a bridge, you might go over it. Wrong. For me, fuck wrong. If you never plan on going back over that bridge, I got plenty of bridges I will never go back over. You can torch that bridge. So yeah, so what I'm saying is it goes something like this. I usually get on the phone to lawyers who don't like me or are suing me on Friday. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I can yell at them and they can yell at me. And I, I don't mind yelling at a lawyer, but I give a shit about some strangers trying to take something from me. Um, and, then, and then I can, at the end of it, go tell them to go F themselves. And three seconds later, they are out of my mind. There's the cold fish. Mm. I just told some guy, guy to go F off. I don't, I don't, I don't even think about him. I have a great weekend, and then I pick up the phone and we continue the conversation on Monday. Hmm. Right? It's good for my health. Blood pressure is good. Whatever. Now that person on the other end, I don't think they're quite as good at that. So what they're going to do is they're going to get off the phone, and somebody's going to walk in the office going, "Hey, man, that was a pretty loud conversation." It's like, "Oh yeah, I talked to this guy named Todd and that guy." And then they're going to go home and, and their wife or husband is going to say a boyfriend or a relative or something's going to say, hey, how'd your day go? And they go, well, not bad. But at the end of the day, and then they're going to go out with their friends on the weekend. They're going, hey, how was your, your week? That's Todd. And they are going to think and talk and waste calories on me the whole weekend. And on Monday, they're going to be weak. And when they pick up the phone, they have expended a lot of energy. I haven't given them a single second of thought. And I'm ready for that next conversation. And I will wear them out. I will wear them out. So I don't know. You want to waste, you want to waste your energy? I don't give power. I don't give my personal power to anybody. Good, bad, or indifferent. Good, like good, bad, or I give none of it away. None of it away. You hate my artwork. I have the same comment. I've had it for 30 years to critics. So it's the same. You hate what I do? This is easy. Tap on the shoulder. Spend your time and money on things you like. Yeah, I, I, can't I can't solve this for you. But you can solve it for yourself. Name's Todd. Only rhymes with God. I can't fix this for you. But if it was me and I didn't like something over here, I would go and spend my time on the things that I like over it. I don't know, right? Like, so go go and do it. So point number one, so if you don't like it, dude, uh, I'd go and find something you do. Uh, uh, by the way, there's a false pre pretense. You guys think, <laughs> you guys think I'm I'm trying to get 8 billion people to like what I want, that, that I do? I'm not that, I'm not an idiot. My wife doesn't like half of what I do. My kids <laughs> don't like what I do. I understand. 
here's what I need. Enough people at any given time to like what I do so that I can at least break even and then I can do it again tomorrow. And if I get just enough, let's say it's 100,000. I need 100,000 people. I don't give a damn about the other 8 billion people on the planet. Mm -hmm. I don't need them. I don't, I don't need everybody. Elon Musk doesn't need everybody to buy a Tesla to be successful. He needs enough. And he's got more than enough right now. So he's okay. So this, this concept of everybody has to like it. Now, let me also apply it on the other side. If, if I, so I'm disinterested, I've said before, I'm disinterested. I don't read comments on my social media. I'm disinterested in why you may like or dislike my stuff. And let's be consistent with what I just said. If you dislike it, I don't care. Oh, I got to tell you, if you like it, I'm equally disinterested. <laughs> sure. And here's why. It's not that I don't, I don't want to have a conversation with you. It's just that. It's just that when I put that cover up and I go, there's my cover for my next book. I'm not changing it. You love it. I'm not changing it. You hate it. I'm not changing it. This is the piece. I, I do not put anything out seeking your approval. I put it out as saying, that's the book. It will come out at this time and it will be this price. You do with what you want with that information. Now, here's the thing. People buy stuff and they essentially are voting with their dollar, their pocketbook. So what are you talking about? You don't have to write me an email and tell me <laughs> you like something or you hate something. I get it in the sale, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so if I see something going, woo, then I go, man, they must like it. They must like it. We should do more of it. And if I see that this, the graph is going down, I go, you we didn't, we, we, they didn't really like that, did we? Like, we better not make any more of that because that was that we missed that one. Um, you, you don't, you don't have to sit behind a typewriter and tell me. Um, so I just, I just put it out there, and I'm just like, here it is, and and it, it's up to you. If you like it, then then it's up to you to decide whether you want to endorse it. And if you don't, then don't. But oh, by the way, tomorrow I've got to get another cover out. I got to get another page out. Like I've got work to do. I can't worry about whether you like everything I do. That's, that's, I, I, you, you drive yourself crazy, right? I, I leave that to my other neurotic peers. So mm -hmm. they, they, they read their comments. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever, whatever you like, I learned a long time ago, Abe Lincoln said, you're not going to please them all. Oh, here, here's the other one too. I've said before, here's, here's the math. I mean, here, here's my math too. I got a million, two million people follow me globally, okay? Two million divided by eight billion. Take the fraction, round it up to the whole, whole it's, not, it's, a, it's, a, it's a zero, it's a zero, it's a zero. Okay, the whole number, the closest whole number of my fan base globally is zero. Okay, so what does that mean? This is, for me, this is liberating. That means if and everybody on my fan base hates me and hates it, Whatever it is that I just did, this I, we did a book. That means I do my math to zero. Yeah. If I flip it and all two million people love it, oh, best thing you ever did, and I do the math, I'm a zero. On my good day and my bad day, I am a zero. Once I accept that, and I have, 
that I don't really matter. It's liberating. It's not frustrating. It's liberating. It means that no matter what I do is not really going to stop the earth from spinning. So given that that's the truth, why not enjoy yourself, Todd? Why not do the things that you like personally? Mm -hmm. Cool. So I just, I just have a good life because I just entertain myself. And I'm very, very, very fortunate that I get enough people to follow what I enjoy personally that they like it too. And I get to keep doing it. Shoot, it's a good life. It makes me fearless because it's like, all right, I don't really matter. So I don't need any deal. I don't need to make a deal. I don't need to get a brand. I don't need to hit a sales mark. It doesn't, and if I do or I don't, it still ends up being zero, right? So I'm like, cool. So at that point, just enjoy life. Enjoy life. Here we go. Enjoy life. I think that's a great place to end this conversation. Again, 2024 is going to be a hell of a year for Todd McFarlane and Spawn. But like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just another year. <laughs> no, so let me add just, just sure. a little bit to it, right? Here's what I think does matter. Longevity. Mm -hmm. Longevity. Because it erases a lot of your mistakes, right? So if we look at it from a sports point of view, because I used to coach kids, I used to go, they used to get frustrated. I go, do you know who struck out the most times in baseball history? The most. Somebody who's in the Hall of Fame. Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reggie Jackson. But, okay. but anyway, he's in the Hall of Fame. Do you know who, do you know who hit into the most double plays ever? Guy by the name of Hank Aaron. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame. Do you know who got thrown out stealing the most? Ricky Henderson, he's in the Hall of Fame. Do you know who lost the most games pitching? He's in the Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, they named the award after him, Cy Young, right? Like, mm. what are you talking about? So you're gonna make mistakes over time, but but they're all there because it wasn't the mistakes that people were paying attention to. It was the other stuff, mm. right? So when people now look at 350 issues of Spawn, and we've got, you know, issue 350 coming up, big anniversary one. It's hard for me to imagine that people who are like big Spawn fans, it's because of any single issue. Mm. They either like the character or they don't. You either like Batman or you don't. You either like Spider-Man or you don't. It's not, man, I remember one issue, that one issue, was like, and that was it, right? So it becomes a culmination of everything, which also means that if you happen to buy a Batman and you like them and you buy a Batman comic book and it's not very good, you don't stop liking Batman because the longevity has given you so many pieces of data that you just go, it's okay. It's okay that this one thing out of a thousand, I enjoyed a thousand things. And so there's a hundred that I didn't like. It's okay that that you can get over that that cover, that issue, that page, that panel have to be perfect. And once you take that burden away from you as a creator, you can just, again, enjoy creating. I'm just going, ah. so this is why I'm, if I, have one message to my creators, my creative peers. It's like, do more of the same character. Not a lot of you've had 15, 20 year careers, but you haven't put it into one character even half that time. Right? I think it matters. You could create your next Iron Man. You could create your next Walking Dead. You could create your next Superman Batman. You could create your next Spawn. 
right? Like do 40, 50 issues. I'm not saying do 350. That's psycho, right? Like that, <laughs> That's like stupid stuff. So do 50. Four and a half years of your life. Four and a half. Four and a half. Hmm. And my peers have been in the business for 15, 20 years. 15, 20 years. They could have done it four times over. They could have done one character 50, another character 50, another character 50. They could have done it four times. And they chose to do it zero. I don't know. It's weird. And I know they're looking at some of the example. I'm, I'm an example. Robert Kirkman's an example. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn's an example. Um, and, and, but they don't want to use the blueprint, which mm. is do a bunch of issues of the same character because the brand becomes bigger than everything. And it's about the brand then that matters, not any one specific thing that matters. And and at some point you can like The Walking Dead without knowing who Robert Kirkman is. And I and you can like Spawn, especially if we get the movies going, whatever else we get up to the real world, and not know who Todd is. Who cares? That's okay. But there's a value and there's a value in all that. So I don't know. But you guys do it, you guys do your shortcut whatever way you guys think is fit, right? Here's it. Here's the last thing. And here's the stupidity of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I usually don't like to try and judge other people's lives, but I think it's silly because I, 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 I think I've got a different view. Do your five issues. Sell it in Hollywood. Get them to make TV show. Make it as popular as The Walking Dead, and you're screwed. Here's why: because they're not going to give you a lot of money on your first Hollywood deal, so that's not making you rich. The only thing you have is you get to exploit your library, and you've got five issues. That's not even one trade paperback. Hmm. Robert Kirkman had a hundred and ninety plus issues. When 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 and by the time it came on, he had about 120 when it first came on, Walking Dead. He was able to exploit his library over and over and over and over and over. And if you want the fame and the fortune, the fortune didn't come in Hollywood. Robert would be the first to tell you. The fortune came by exploiting his library, but he had 120. Mm-hmm. And if Spawn does anything out in the real world when we get the movie going, <laughs> I've got over 350 to exploit. Woo! Like, you don't want to be doing manual labor all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Put out trade paperbacks and do go back to the well and reprint your stuff, right? They do a lot of reruns. You can still watch The Office and The Simpsons on TV, right? Park and Recreation. So come on, man. You don't have to keep making it. You can just keep sort of showing it to a new generation over and over and over and over and over. But you guys go and do it. You guys go and try and get Robert Kirkman without doing Robert Kirkman. So uh, that would be a magic trick. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I, again, Todd, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, a lot for us to mull over. And I know our listeners will really appreciate it. And uh, again, like good luck with a great 2024 and a great 2025. All right. You guys be good. Appreciate you having me. Of course. Take care. Bye-bye. Todd McFarlane, round four. Lisa, I grabbed some legitimate life lessons from that conversation. Okay, hit me with them. So don't make the home run the norm. Love this. Right? Like, Like ride the middle. Yeah, well, I think 
it can feel like when you have like one wild success and you hit it out of the park and you use that to like measure everything you do afterward, like then everything afterward is going to feel like a failure. Yeah, yeah. And it's not exactly like ride the middle. It's getting back to zero that's important, right? Yeah. Get me back to zero so we can keep doing this thing. I just want to keep doing this thing. To me, I interpret it as find your level of satisfaction and then do what you can to sustain it. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of us live in this kind of economy of, like, I have to do better and better and better and better and better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, Where, yeah. like, if you're already satisfied with where you're at, then why compare yourself to anyone else, even yourself in the past? Yeah, satisfied with sustainability. Yeah. Satisfied with autonomy. Like, yeah. that is crucial for Todd, right? Yeah. No one can tell him what to do with his company. Or, like, his autonomy is worth more money mm-hmm. than anyone has ever mm-hmm. offered him. Mm-hmm. Right? Him? He loves running his company so much that it's not worth selling it. That bit of philosophy that he got from his dad about the definition of uselessness. Yes. You know, money can be useless at a certain point. I, I found that to be very interesting. Uh, like the other thing that I was inspired by, he said early on in the chat, it was never to enter into anything you're not confident that you can succeed at. You have to have a little bit of delusion at how good you are, but you have to be realistic enough to have a game plan that's doable. Yeah. And I struggle with that. I struggle with uh, <laughs> having the confidence of self, knowing that I'll succeed going into anything. And then also, once I do muster up like a little bit of confidence to do something, uh, doing the math doing the game plan to make sure that I can make it happen. Yeah, so I feel like the place that I get stuck is I see what my home run would be. Like, I I go like, oh, I want to write a novel, right? I want to write my novel that's been living in my head. And then I go, and finishing that novel is the only thing that I'm going for. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to finish it, so why even start it? And then, boom, I've gotten nowhere. But then you have to remember, you got to exploit a catalog. You have to have a catalog to exploit. So it's important to finish that, and then finish the next thing, and then finish the other thing. Oh, my God, Brad, I'm so paralyzed, because I just told you I can't finish one. (laughs) Yeah, but you have finished a lot in terms of comic book couples counseling, right. you know, we were not a success. And I don't even like, I, I feel we're weird. not a success. Well, I feel weird saying that we're a success when we're still striving for success. Yeah. Right. But we are now a professional podcast, right. which we were not originally. Yeah. It took years to become a professional podcast, right. but we got there, but we now also have a catalog. So we need to exploit that catalog. Yes, yes. And and that's something I think about a lot. The idea of going like, you don't have to create one amazing thing to get noticed. You just have to have a body of work so that when somebody does notice you for one thing, you have a body of work to refer them right. to. Right. So in the Walking Dead example, Walking Dead gets onto TV and it's a success And then those viewers who are curious enough to look at comics have this massive library to explore. Yeah, yeah. And we see that all the time here 
at CBCC. Someone listens. Someone's going to listen to this episode. Hello. And it, it, this is their first episode, and they go, "Oh, I like these two. What else do they got going?" They're going to click the links in the show notes to the other Todd McFarlane conversations, but they'll also find our conversations with you know Scott Snyder and Tom King and Chip Zdarsky, and then they'll find our counseling sessions, and they'll be like, "Oh, what is this radical realm?" Yeah. And they're going to become a fan. And so we have that body of work where it took so it was so much work to get people to listen to one episode but it's less work to get people to listen to 200 yeah, episodes. Yeah, and it was hard to get those episodes on the shelf, but it's even more hard to get people to take those episodes off the shelf. Yeah. 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 Uh I had a great time chatting with Todd McFarlane. I What hope- about my takeaways? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> you know, just he, he's my childhood idol, Lisa. <laughs> Um, well, that that is true. And congratulations to the 14-year-old boy Thank who you. is in you. And is me. Exactly. For me, there is one area of my life where I'm like, I don't want to become Todd. Well, like, there's lots of areas of my life where I don't want to become Todd McFarlane. There is already a Todd McFarlane. I just <laughs> want to be a better Lisa Gullickson. But there's, like, one area of my life where, like, I want to dip into the Todd McFarlane pot of gouache and I want to mix it in with the Lisa Gullickson colors and that is the like Todd McFarlane calls it like being a cold fish Mm. like I don't want to go all the way to cold fish yeah but you're ready to burn some bridges Mm, I'm ready to give less F's yeah yeah you know what I mean and to devote less time to the people who offer you nothing but negativity Yes. So re-listening to this interview, there there was one part that I was dreading listening to, and then when I listened to it again, it still made me cringe. And that was the part of the interview where I go, like, when you get off the phone with the guy who called you a schmuck, does it make you feel any sort of way? And Todd McFarlane is like, No. Because of all of the aforementioned reasons. Yeah, but that that setup led to a great answer and a fascinating, you know, little tidbit there. But the problem is, I can know all of the things. I can know, like, what this person says doesn't actually matter. It doesn't mean I'm going to change the way I'm doing anything. But it'll still hurt my feelings. Yeah, I think Todd's philosophy and personality is definitely different than Lisa Gullickson. Right, right. I just don't see right now a situation where I get off of the phone with someone who's disappointed in me for any reason and not crying. <laughs> you I might... don't think of any any number of facts that could change that. I don't think I want to see Elisa Gullickson with that Todd McFarlane That's why armor. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I just want a touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to just turn the dial of my, you can woo it out. Yeah, there's something. Turn the dial of my phone woo. down. Like, I give too many, and I would like to give less. There's something in Todd McFarlane that you envy, and and, and that's that. Yeah. Right, right. Where where The way he explains it later is like, I don't give any of my energy away. Yeah. You yeah. know, if it's not, if that energy is not going to give me anything back, or it's not going to change anything, like, I'm just not going to give it away. And, like, I feel like I'm not even giving my energy away as much as like there's a hole somewhere and it's leaking 
I'm leaking <laughs> energy <laughs> and I'm constantly draining emotions where I feel like it's just kind of wasted. So I'm going to have to, and our listeners are going to have to check back in with Lisa to see if she has developed any little bits of Todd armor regarding that aspect, that personality. Right. I mean, like have. I'm afraid that it's that the only way to build that armor is through exposure therapy. Like I'm going to have to receive some criticism and guess what y'all I'm not open to criticism. So uh, <laughs> just keep it to yourself. Thank you. I'm uh, very sensitive. Well, I want to hear from our listeners what they thought about this conversation, what life lessons or philosophies that they pulled from Todd's point of view and uh, may apply to their own outlook going forward. When I was listening to the conversation while editing it, I was taken aback by the amount of times that I thought the conversation was over yeah. and I was trying to wrap it up politely. And Todd McFarlane wasn't ready to let go because he was invested in the conversation and he had more to add. And man, I love that dude for that. Yeah, same. Like he's a guy who has his own momentum and it feels good to just kind of like submit to it and yeah, see what yeah. he has to say. It's yeah. so fun and I, interesting. I look forward to more conversations with Todd McFarlane yeah. in the future. And I hope everyone listening feels the same. Uh, so that is going to do it for this week. Next week, we are going to return to our Emma and Scott counseling sessions. We will be covering three specific issues, Dark X-Men The Confession One-Shot and Uncanny X-Men issues 518 and 519. That will be part two in our Schema counseling sessions. Link in the show notes to part one. The week after that will be our next Creator Corner conversation. We'll be chatting with Tom Scholey about his graphic novel biography, I Am Stan, which of course is about Stan the Man Lee and pairs beautifully with Scholey's previous biography, Jack Kirby, the King of Comics. And if you're in the area, please head to the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia on February 25th at 4 o'clock. Lisa and I will be hosting a screening of Robert Townsend's superhero satire, The Meteor Man. That's going to be so fun. Very excited about that. You may not remember, but The Meteor Man not only had a Marvel Comics adaptation... It had a six-issue miniseries that followed in which the Meteor Man battled Spider-Man in issue three and Night Thrasher in issue four. We've just picked up those comics, and they're so fun. We may have a few to give away at that screening. As always, the screening is co-hosted and co-sponsored by the Eisner-nominated comic book store for Color Fantasies. And don't forget... March 8th at AwesomeCon, date night with the Gullicksons. Come to our panel, hang out with us. We're going to make sure it's a great and wonderful time. Yeah, 830, room 206 at the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. Okay, Brad, I have something to tell you. Yeah? Duff oh. <laughs> does mean a person's buttock. <laughs> but it's like way down there. It does mean a butt. Yeah, but... Duff is a butt. But... Hold your horse. Uh-huh. I'm not even giving you more than one horse <laughs> because the origin of Duff uh -huh. as being a piece of ground uh -huh. is the late 18th century. And the uh -huh. origin of it being someone's buttocks uh -huh. is mid-19th century, which I think okay. is a bunch of dopes like you 
who don't understand the meaning of duff and they just assume if I don't know what it means, it must mean butt. Uh, that's probably true. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find photos of my duff on most social medias <laughs> at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art, show poster, and fifth anniversary poster, send them to Karen Chap at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lee so, where can our listeners send the words of affirmation to you? I'm always accepting words of affirmation and only words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Audible, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app you prefer. We're everywhere. If you'd like to get exclusive, Ooh. you can join our Patreon where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. We are three chapters in to Endless Nights on our Sleepwalking Through Sandman series, and it is fascinating. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, chapter three on Dream radically reworks my understanding of Morpheus. Love it so much. Yeah, so good, so good. Also, subscribe to that newsletter for yeah. free. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com or follow us on all the socials at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts and if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Take your time. Toner, then serum, eye cream. Toner, then serum. Ice cream moisturizer. No, eye cream moisturizer oil. Oil. That's what I said. Toner, then serum. Eye, eye cream, cream moisturizer, moisturizer and oil. Oh, the and is not there. I, yeah, let's no let's make eye contact to do it again. Right. Toner, <laughs> then serum. No, 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 no. Hold on. Toner, then serum. Ice cream moisturizer. Keep saying ice cream. Toner, then serum. Eye cream moisturizer oil. That's it. Toner, then serum, eye cream moisturizer oil.